We got the coach's corner this week talking Rutgers preview and what is fixable, not fixable coming out of the bye week, what goes into bye week preparation, all that and more in today's Lockdown Badgers. Let's go. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Badger fans? Welcome to Lockdown Badgers, your team every single day. Really do appreciate you tuning in. As always, thank you so, so much for continuing to help support this community. It means an incredible amount. Uh, and then every Wednesday so far, this is becoming a, a very, very happy routine for me. We're getting Coach Anderson on doing Coach's Corner. Coach, uh, Rutgers coming up. Big game here. Number two in the Big Ten, our second game in the Big Ten Conference for the Badgers coming off a of bye week. Uh, let's talk big picture. Watching Rutgers, what do you see from them? Um, Rutgers definitely looks like a Greg Schiano coach team, uh, physical, aggressive, um, old school mentality in a new school frame, I guess that's the easy way to put it. And it's going to be a, a change of pace from what we've seen so far this year. Everything we played against has been all about speed, all about timing and really pushing the tempo. Rutgers is, wants to control the tempo. They want to slow the game down. They want to run the ball. Defensively, they're going to be aggressive. They're going to fly to the football. Um, they want to dictate the tempo in by slowing it down instead of Washington State and Georgia Southern and all these teams who wanted to dictate the tempo by speeding things up and try to get us off balance. Rutgers wants to just take it to us. And that is it presents a different challenge but also i think for the defense especially it's going to be a welcome change of pace to get into big 10 play and play these more traditional big 10 teams which what the roster right now is mostly built for it's going to seem slower in a good way let, let me ask you by the way i think it's funny and i i know what you're saying when you say this but when you say traditional big 10 teams and we're talking rutgers it's still just like a funny thing in my head it is weird I know what you're saying. Um, I, I was old, school, this, old school Big East. We'll old say that. school Big East, physical. <laughs> um, I, rush defense is going to be a huge key to this game. Mm -hmm. right? We, we've talked about rush defense a lot. Rutgers, if, they're, if they are going to win the game, if they're even going to stay in this game competitively, they have to run the ball successfully. They absolutely have to. Is this? I feel like this is a game where Muma, potentially Turner, Chaney, I think those players are going to play better in this game than we've seen from, from them through the first course of the season. I think it's more suits them. For sure. I think you're going to definitely see Rutgers is much more of a between the tackles kind of offense. Um, you know, they, they're not going to be running as much laterally. Um, our inside backers are tackle to tackle inside linebackers. That's what they were recruited for. And for the most part, that's what they've done. Um, and we saw last week, or our last game against uh, Purdue, where at times when they were asked to run sideline to sideline, that's when they get lost. Or containing a QB that is moving back and forth, they got lost. I think Rutgers is going to be a lot more just downhill. I mean, the running back is physical. Uh, he's a run-your-over type guy. And I, that's going to play into how our inside backers are already built. I think it's also going to play into how our defensive tackles are already built to just be space holders and to let the linebackers flow. So I think schematically it's going to be a better fit 
because again, I, I think that the current Badgers roster is built for teams like Rutgers and Iowa and Michigan state than it is for teams like Washington state and to a lesser extent, Georgia Southern and Purdue's getting there as well. I mean, you're seeing the changing of the guard in college football where less teams are going to be traditional pro style and more teams are going to be spread them out air raid. And so this is a team that's going to help in that transition where we're still kind of built for the old school. Uh, so that's going to be important. And I think it'll be a nice kind of transition getting into Iowa because Iowa is going to be doing a lot of the similar things, maybe with slightly better talent, maybe with slightly worse coaching. So it will be a, a balance there as well. So I think it's a welcome change. And I think the inside backers are going to be, happy about that yeah I, I agree i think this is something they've been waiting for it's going to be a little bit more in their comfort zone i, I want to talk a little bit too about gavin wims at the rutgers quarterback you and i talked about him a little before the show i think we both agreed the worst quarterback the badgers defense has, has faced so far up to this point especially from a passing standpoint this feels like a bit of a get right game yeah um you know he's he he shows some running ability um he has some top end speed, but he doesn't have acceleration. They don't use him in the QB run game. So the the threat of the QB moving in and out of the pocket is going to allow the lack of that is really going to allow the secondary and those overhang players more chance to kind of get in their comfort zone. They're not in conflict as much as they would be against Cam Ward against Hudson Card, where you never know if he's going to take off. You never know what they're going to do. Rutgers' offense is much more straightforward. It's not – It's. I don't want to say it's pro style because they're, you know, they're running spread concepts and they're doing a lot of stuff like that, but it's in a more traditional sense. Um, it's more about spacing and less about conflict. And I think, you know, the way he throws the ball, it's very pop-gun – you know, slow release, long winding release. He throws very looping passes. The ball hangs up in the air a lot. And it's going to allow our DBs to hang off a little bit more and more flow to the ball instead of having to be, you know, as precise in their reads and stuff like that. So they're going to be able to think a little bit more, which is going to be an improvement for them. Yeah. You know, if you look at the numbers, um, not a very good completion percentage is in the low 50 percentile. Yeah. It's just not a guy that's going to carve you up. And you mentioned that the the difference in offense kind of between what Purdue's doing, Washington State, and here. I, I think some of that's just a lack of talent at quarterback, too. I think they would probably put more players in conflict if they had uh, a more fast, a faster, more athletic quarterback or a quarterback that was more able to hit those deep shots. Um, but they just don't have that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Shiano's done a pretty good job rebuilding the program. I mean, they're going to be a bowl team. Mm-hmm later they might even be a bowl team this year um but when you see a team like that and you see a quarterback like they have now who is a senior he's at least a fourth year player he was a starter for a chunk last year who still is throwing around 50 percent completion percentage when they're winning games it, it would be different if he was around 50 percent and they were two and two they're four and one and they they just they can win without him and that is a luxury that not a lot of teams have. And I don't know if they're quite have the roster built that they can't get contributions from the passing game to beat teams beyond the Wagners and the Virginia techs 
um, to beat a competitive, balanced roster. I don't know if they have that right now. And Northwestern, another one they beat. Uh, so yeah. They, yeah, they're 4-1, and you have to give credit mm-hmm. to that. It has not yep. been the toughest five-game stretch outside of Michigan, which they lost. Um, let's let's flip it to, to defense quick for Rutgers, the Wisconsin offense against the Rutgers defense. They, they have a pretty good front seven, pretty stout. Um, you know, a couple upperclassmen headlined by Aaron Lewis, who has three sacks this year, one of the better defensive linemen in the Big Ten. He flashes on film. How are the Badgers? To me, it feels like a game where Mordecai has to be able to hit some shots and, and make them back off a little bit with their front seven. Yeah. I mean, they definitely, they're a straight up man team. They blitz a lot. And we're going to get Rutgers in two different modes. We're going to get them, if they want to come out in their base personnel, their three, four ish personnel, they want to bring pressure and they want to play man behind it. I don't think we're going to see that very much if we're going to come out in a lot of 11 personnel, 10 personnel, spread the game out a little bit. And we're going to get them in their, in their nickel package where it kind of negates some of those frontline guys. I mean, obviously they're taking a guy out to, to bring in the extra DB. Um, and, you know, especially watching the Michigan, of course it's Michigan, but Michigan was gashing them when, they got into their nickel front and that's what we want to try to do. We want to get them out of their base personnel, get them into nickel, get them into dime, spread them out, hit them up the middle, you know, let Braylon be Braylon against smaller bodies and then force them to have to make that decision. You know, can we trust to play base personnel against the speed that Wisconsin has to bring the pressure to control the box or, are we going to allow them to spread us out and then have to tackle in space and to have to control the run with a six man box? Um, so this is a very good defense for us to go against because I, they don't have the personnel to kind of sit in a hybrid, you know, package. They can have a seven man front in nickel pack in, in, in a nickel personnel and still cover everybody. It's an either or. And that would be the game plan is Phil Longo needs to identify what package he wants to see. He wants to give them the looks to get the defense, how he wants it, and then attack the defense when they give them the looks that he wants to see. Right, we're going to get into next how coach thinks that's going to play out. Like what, when, when, the, when it starts off, I want to really get your take on a couple key players and, how do you think um, this game will actually play out? Now, we've talked about kind of the, the matchups here. We're going to get that next in Lockdown Badgers. But first, a quick break for our friends of the show over at eBay Motors. eBay Motors is the number one place to go to for all your auto part needs, all your car needs. Over 122 million parts on eBay Motors. And it's a place I go to to fix up all of my cars who always need some fixing. Uh, passion, drive, patience. That's what brings the winning trophy home. And that's also what you need for your car. Even where it says everything you need to maintain your vehicle, level it up to peak performance from superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits, and LED headlights with over 122 million parts. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. All right, let's come back with uh, Coach Anderson here on Coach's Corner. Keep talking about it. Coach, I wanted to ask you really quickly about a couple key players that you're looking at, you're keying in on this Rutgers game. Who on this Badgers roster you're saying, yeah, I, I think this is a big game for them. I put you on the spot here, by the way. The, you know, 
Will Pauling, for sure. Um, we want to get him in bad matchups against, especially if they come out in their base personnel, get him matched up on a safety, use his speed to force the defense to play east and west. Uh, that's going to be key. We have to be able to take shots vertically. We really haven't been taking many shots uh, vertically this so far this year, and we've got to get some shots upfield. And I think Bryson Green needs to show up. Uh, we need we need his vertical ability, but we also need him coming across on those slant routes, coming across on some of those in-breaking routes, and to be able to open himself up against man coverage and attack that that man coverage. Uh, it, if we don't have that, we might struggle a little bit, but it's all about speed. And so, so any of our players that we think have speed have got to step up. We've got to start taking some shots um, to keep things spread out, to keep the defense playing East and West and North and South at the same time. And that's going to allow, you know, uh, Braylon with an expanded role potentially to be able to last with that expanded role. So definitely the receiving core, but Pauling in the slot, Bryson Green out wide. Because again, we've we've seen so far this year, we've seen Chimray, we've seen uh, CJ Williams, we really haven't seen Bryson Green, and he's still starting. Yeah. So he's due. I say he's due. I think defense has been doing a pretty good job um, isolating him, and we've had shots. I mean, we've taken shots to him. We've had a couple, you know, balls just miss him, and so I think he's due. Uh, it would be nice if if Skylar Bell could get a deep ball and not drop it. I mean, he's had two vertical shots so far this year, and he's dropped both of them. Um, so it's showing that stuff's there, and so it's gonna it's gonna take one of these guys who might might not have had a good week, you know, so far this season, to to get a shot. And once you get one shot, it changes everything. Confidence comes back, and then the offense can really start to explode. Yeah, I feel like this could be a big Bryson game. I really, I think we've been so close on him. What what I'm still looking for from him is that big physical play where it's it's a 50-50 ball in the red zone or a 50-50 ball, that, and he just he's a big physical receiver. That's why you got him. Mm-hmm. He's that's what what's what he's here for. And we're been so close on a couple. Let me give you another one quick. Uh, Aker, mm-hmm. I'm really interested in, in Jackson Aker and what he's going to be able to come in and give because he's going to have to play. He's going to have to give Braylon yeah. ten reps yeah. off. 15, whatever it is, I'm really interested how they use him and how they game plan with him in the game. And we saw it a little bit against uh, Purdue. You know, they brought him in. They did a little bit of two back with him. I think he can do anything that, that Braylon can do. Uh, the The play package that they've given Braylon, I think Aker can do it. Because uh, they're, they're, similar, they're similar players. And if anything, Jackson Aker has more experience playing running back. And so he could pick stuff up. He might be able to pick stuff up faster. Um, he doesn't have the same top end speed that Braylon does. It doesn't have the same power, but he's a big, strong back. He's physical. He can run. Um, so he he's due. He can get a few carries. Um, he can catch the ball on the flat. They showed it um, again against Purdue. They ran the two back, mm-hmm. a little misdirection, hit him in the flat. He can do that. Um, Yacomelli can come in and maybe take a couple of, uh, those third down reps being that guy gets out in the flat a little bit, uh, run some wheels with him. Uh, so, you know, it sucks to lose Chez, 
but I think between those three guys, we can at least uh, copy the production. Not the same guy, but we can we can regain the production that we're losing from from losing Chaz. You should be able to cobble it together, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you look at still, if you look at your Big Ten running back room, you have Braylon Allen at the top of it. You're in a better spot than a lot of teams are. Like you should mm-hmm. be able to cobble it together. And to your point, both Aker and Yakamelli, neither of these are true freshmen. They've been in the program. They should no. be able to come in and provide some reps. Um, I want to ask you this. So coming out of the bye week, this was a question we were kind of posing, but I wanted your perspective on it. What are what are some of these issues that I have that are fixable coming out of the bye week that are fixable in season? And, and what are issues that, sorry, it's going to be an off-season thing with our new talent, coaching, getting stronger, whatever it is. You ready for this? Yep. Tackling. Issues on tackling. Definitely. definitely I mean, the, the big thing about bye weeks, uh, most teams use the bye week not as extra prep for the team they're playing against after the bye week. It's about us getting better and working a lot of us versus us. We run, we run team situations. It's us versus us. It's the ones versus the ones, twos versus twos, whatever. Um, so definitely they worked on tackling for sure. They worked on angles in the, in the run game, especially with the linebackers for sure. They watched a lot of film going into this week about what they have done wrong within the system and showing how improving technique is going to help them within the system. So tackling can get better in the bye week We we've proven that we can tackle, you know, all these guys who are having problems tackling now, many of them played last year. They can tackle, but for whatever reason, so far this year, they're having problems tackling. I think a big part of it is a lot of them are thinking too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw that with Jordan with Jordan Turner in the Purdue game, where it, it just almost seems like he was on he was lagging. You know, the play would start, he'd pause for a half a second, and then he'd realize the ball was going, and he'd take off. And but by then, he was already too late. So working on that more downhill aggression, and I think again, if you're playing against a team that's a little bit more, I don't say traditional, but more straightforward with what they do, it allows you to be more aggressive. And when you maybe have a little bit more team speed, you can make up for it. So I think well, they can get better. I want to hit on your first point too, because the just thinking too much, thinking through it instead of reacting, putting yourself in a better position through knowing what's coming up is going to make give you give yourself a better chance to just make the tackle in general, right? If you're reacting late and you're rushing yeah. to get somewhere, you're gonna overrun plays, you're gonna miss you're gonna miss keys. So I think all of that, the more reps should help. I do wonder. Like some some of the tackling, to your point, it's against teams that have put us more in space, right? So maybe we don't necessarily get a lot. I'm just hypothetically throwing this out there. Maybe you don't improve a lot as a tackling team, but because the teams you're playing are more Iowa Rutgers-ish, Northwestern-ish, Illinois-ish, it, tackling just inherently looks better, right? Because you're, yep. you're playing against teams you're more comfortable against. I, I think it shows a flaw within how the roster might have been built that the roster was built for a certain type of opponent. And we had just happened to not play against a certain type of opponents the first three weeks of the season. Now, unfortunately, one of them is a conference opponent that we're going to face every year. But it also shows, I think, what you're going to see, what the team is going to be recruiting for. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a different type of a body recruited. But the things don't – like, the reads don't change, you know, Playing inside linebacker in Mike Trussell's offense is not 
any different from Jim Leonard's defense from a read standpoint, because it's the same stuff we learned in high school. It's the difference is they're thinking too much about what they're doing before the snap and after the snap that they don't think about what to do at the snap. And that's a big problem that we've had so far. And I guarantee you they worked on it this week uh, or last week. And then going into Rutgers, then it's about, okay, how do we apply what we learned last week to an actual opponent? Love it. Love it. We're going to take one quick break, come back. A few more questions with Coach. What can we improve out of the bye week? What is not fixable this season potentially? And then get his take on how he thinks his team probably prepared during the bye week and how it's a little different than game-to-game weeks. Uh, But first, a quick break for our friends of the show. All right, coming back with Coach, Coach's Corner. Coach, as always, it is great to have you on the show. Um, Where can people find what you're doing and and the work you have going on? Yeah, um, as always, uh, at the Dairy Raid, both on on Twitter, Substack, YouTube, uh, this week, put out a couple videos with the bye week. One, starting to look back at last year. So I actually put down a breakdown of the offense against Ohio State last year. Um, Not maybe the best one to start with. But uh, really, you can really look and just contrast how differently things were done last year. And I think as I go through watching those games, I'm going to start feeling a lot uh, more respect for Graham Mertz, and what he had to put up with. Because, boy, he didn't have a lot of options. Um, did that, also kind of expanded, did a video on talking about what we talked about a little bit last time about analytics and what I like and don't like about analytics and kind of expanding on our conversation we had about uh, Jack Nelson. Uh, so, yeah, so we got that YouTube, Twitter, uh, Substack, everything there. I love it, man. I, I caught both of those. I enjoyed it. Uh, one of those stemmed from a comment that we had, too, I think, to some degree. So yep. Yep. Thank, thank you. Thank you to the commenter. I'm sure he's watching this. Uh, it was it's a great jumping off point and it's a legitimate mm-hmm. question. So I definitely like to expand on it. Yep. And we're here for the discussions as always. Um, a couple more. I want to get through these kind of quickly because I want to get mm-hmm. into your segment with the bye week as well. But timing on deep routes, again, going back to what what can they improve coming out of the bye week? We specifically talked about Bryson Green, but they've been on and off a little bit. It feels like all year on some of the deeper routes. Does that get better after the bye week? Yeah, I think I can definitely see that Tanner Mordecai's footwork is starting to evolve. He's getting more in the footwork that Longo is used to and it will time a little bit better. You know, Phil Longo is very fluid when it comes to how many steps you take in your drops. Uh, He allows his quarterback to have uh, kind of a say in that. If they want to take a little bit longer drop, a little bit shorter drop, but the way he uses his footwork is uh, more traditional. So, now that Tanner's starting to get a little more of that back pedal, he's starting to get a little more timing. He saw a couple more shots taken uh, against Purdue. Again, we, we they're there. We just got to hit them. Um, so that just comes with taking reps. Um, I, I, I don't think it's, you know, they know the place and they, they know the footwork. They know what need to get there. Again, it comes down to, we say it every week, it comes down to execution. Um you know, they definitely worked on it. They, I mean, air raid teams start every practice running routes on air. They get all the receivers out there. They get five quarterbacks and they hit every route in the, in the the play over and over again. So they know the timing. 
and they just got to keep building on it. So they can, they can improve on it, but you're not getting the same live reps that you would in camp or in a game. So that's just going to come with experience and that's just going to come with keep playing games. Right. What about procedural penalties? Something that we've talked about a ton on this show. Yeah, I think, you know, depending on how uh, Jack Bicknell administers punishment for stupid mistakes like that, that stuff can go away really quickly. Um, you know, it's been said, I heard it on a podcast this week, and I very much agree. I think Jack Nelson's getting in his, his own head a little bit. He, you know, whether he's listening to the hype about his draft status or he's hearing people complain about how he's playing, um, you know, his head, he's, he, he's getting too antsy. And that's what led to some of those stupid penalties. It's those things never become a habit. If, if Jack Nelson comes out this week and has three more false start penalties, he's going to sit on the bench and he won't play anymore. So he's, he's too far into his playing career to let procedural penalties become an issue because uh, those things are fixed right away because you have no excuse for it, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and formation penalties, you know, the formation penalty on the punt. And the, the coaching point is what were you doing? And the answer is always, I don't know. Not like they were taught to line up wrong. You know, something just, I looked over, I thought I was on the line. Mm-hmm. Whatever excuse you give, it's a bad one, but that's fixed. You know, that's those things never become a, a habit because if they become a habit, you find yourself on the bench. Well, and one of the things I, I mentioned on a show I did was it feels like the bye week is coming at a great time for Jack Nelson, mm-hmm. right? Where he yeah. can take it. And this is, kind of, I think I'm right there with you. Are he, I feel like he just needs to take a step back, take a breath, play mm-hmm. some Tetris, clear the head, whatever yeah. the mechanism to clear the head is. Because he's he's better than this. Whatever, wherever anybody's opinion is on Nelson, like he is not this guy that we've seen through the first three or four weeks in terms of penalties, in terms of just getting blown by on the edge. Like he is a no. better player than this. No, and, and it, it, like I said, as, as much as we bag on him, people way smarter than us are willing to pay him a lot of money next year to come play offensive line for them. So he's a good player. He's shown a lot of great things this year. He's changing, you know, he's changing his game to fit this new system. He's doing fine, but he's picked the absolute worst times to have a mental lapse. And it has cost us, cost us, I mean, for sure, cost us Washington State. It could have cost us against Purdue. So whether it just means, you know, taking that Tuesday where they didn't have practice last week, uh, whatever, and hitting the hot tub and just chill it on the couch for a little bit, letting his brain clear and then coming out. And the first thing he does is double team drills and smack his head around, clear his head. He'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what do you think they did? You, you, were, you were talking about something that's kind of interesting about how the bye week is a little different uh, prep wise, scheme wise. It's more us versus us. What do you think their approach was? And I say they, the, the Badgers coaching staff this bye week. Well, and you, and we we got a hint of it with the the little video that the uh, football social team put out of Luke addressing the team. It's like you know, last week was about us us getting better. You know, it's about it's about us. It's not about Rutgers. And 
teams very, very rarely use the bye week as extra prep time to get ready for the next opponent because it sets you up in a bad cycle when it comes to game preparation. Everything's about routine. And if you change that routine, it can have negative effects going forward. So when you have a bye week, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it almost takes you back to training camp. So it's a week like camp. It's going to be a lot of fundamental work. It's going to be a lot of film work, making sure everybody's healthy, um, getting, staying in a good rhythm, you know, staying in, in, in a good routine, but not thinking about Rutgers, not dwelling on mistakes, thinking about, okay, how are we going to get better this week? Uh, instead of we need to fix these things, it's okay, what can we do to take the next step? And, and you see little things. You watch, you know, watch the video clips of uh, the mic'd up stuff with the players. See little things that Braylon's doing, you know, running routes that he hasn't done. Uh, who knows when that video was put out or, or recorded, but, you know, they're going to work on some things. They're going to build on what they already have, but it's about them getting better mm-hmm. and not so much about correcting mistakes. It's about taking this next step forward, which may include, you know, mistake correction, whatever, but it's more about taking the next step in the process. Good timing for a buy for you. Normally this feels early. Like this is early for a buy, but with this team, it feels like maybe it's at a good spot. I, I, I think so. Cause again, the, with the way that the schedule's set up, it's a good primer to get them ready for the big 10 schedule. And the only issue is October is going to drag early November is going to drag without that break in between, but you've had the first few games this year to, you know, who you got and it's going to, it's going to be about building the depth. So when we get deeper into the season, you can rely on more people without the benefit of having a bye week. So, you know, you're going to have, you're going to hope that the roster is there that can last an extra long season, but you can use a bye week at the early part of the season to kind of take stock of what you've done at the beginning. It's like, okay, now we have to get ready for the real season and make sure we're in a good routine going forward from that. What's your, um, I, I definitely want to, before we go off here, what is your score prediction for Rutgers? Like how, or if you don't want to do predictions, cause not everybody is, how worried does this game make you? Where, where are you at on this game? I'm not worried. Um, Rutgers is a good team. So is Purdue. So is Washington state. We should have won. We should have won all three of those games. We won two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we come out and play slow, and we come, I don't want to say come down to Rutgers level, but we allow them to hang around and play their game. It could be a long haul, but we have too much talent to let a team like Rutgers dictate the game. Rutgers is a good team. They will make us pay if we make mistakes, no doubt. Uh, if we don't play fundamentally sound, they can make us pay, but I don't see why we don't score less than 35 points. I don't see us giving up more than 21. I mean, with the way their passing game is, do they have, do they have enough plays, enough big plays in their system to score more than 14 points? I don't. Um, If they're going to, and that's, that that is going to be a key for Rutgers is 
when you play against a team that plays hyper fast and you play against a team and you have a team that's hyper slow or at least slow in comparison, the slow team is going to run out of opportunities. It's, it, it's like old school double wing teams in high school. You know, they're, they're built on grinding the ball and winning the, the game of attrition. But if you get up by 21, if you score three scores early quickly, they have no way to come back. So if, if the Badgers can get on the board quickly and early, I, I, I don't see Rutgers having the, the firepower to come back. They can't rely on the passing game to bring them back. So if we kind of take a, a little bit of approach like you do with Rutgers, or sorry, uh, Purdue, put some points on the board early and have a couple good stops defensively early, I think we can put this game away. And, and, and I, I mean, I saw the, the, the graphic this week and people don't realize Wisconsin is one of only, what, seven teams in the FBS who has 100% scoring yep. in the red zone. As much as we, as we want to bag on, you know, at the offensive times, when we get moving, we score. Mm-hmm. And every drive ends with a kick. And that's the important thing. So if we come out early, we can score. I think we can put this away. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. A lot of what you just said. There. I, I was more worried initially. Um, and then as I kind of dug in a little more, you go back, people are, are really hung up on Rutgers keeping it close against Michigan, keeping it closer against Michigan than people thought. I mean, Rutgers scored on the first drive of the game with kind of a broken play. And after that, yeah. they really never did much of anything. Like Michigan is the king of just being like um, an anaconda. They just kind of squeeze the life out of teams. And the yeah. scores are never quite as... Their teams are never in the game with Michigan, even if it's like a 31-7 game. No, no, you can't you can't squeak by beating a team 31 to 7. Yeah. Where you score 31 straight points. You know, Michigan played their game. They they had it under control. And and they did what they they did what they wanted to wanted to do when they wanted to. They they did what they've Rutgers, done really the last couple of years for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, you you dig into you dig into to Rutgers in a little bit is yeah they're they've played some really bad teams, like Wagner is a bad FCS school. Mm-hmm. You know, they are a three win FCS school. Virginia Tech is not Virginia Tech of old. Stop being You know that that and, and Northwestern is Northwestern, and they weren't. I mean, they weren't ugly wins, but they weren't like holy cow, met you know. Yeah, we we really put it to these guys, you know, except for maybe Wagner, but you should because Wagner's terrible. And so they don't show me anything that would that would scare me. Yeah. Um, maybe if this was being played in New Jersey, you know, on a, on a early on a Saturday morning, maybe. But homecoming. You know, uh, in Madison, no way. Coming off of a bye, it just feels yeah. like the yeah. game where Wisconsin is going to not fully click, but the cylinders are going to start moving with some mm-hmm. synchronicity that they haven't yet. And I think once that happens, to your point, if Wisconsin comes out and gets rolling, I think Rutgers is in a world of hurt because then they can't and they can't run the ball. And if you yeah, put Gavin uh, into situations where he has to throw, yeah, it's not gonna I work. Mean, and, and for as bad as you know we have been at times this season. We've put up over 400 yards of offense in three out of four games. We, which we we I think we only did like four times last year total. 
we've scored 35, 38, 35, 22, but we're scoring. And so the offense is going to score points. I'm not worried about that at all. Um, it's if the defense gets a couple stops, why not just blow yeah. them out? I'm, I'm again, with that line. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and if they, and if they don't stop them, it could be a long game because they're, because they're, again, they're talented. Shiano's teams are always tough. They're physical. They play to the echo of the whistle. Um, you know, he is who he is. His defenses who are who they are, but they also have the tendency of when they get punched in the mouth, um, they don't know how to punch back. So that's what we need to see. Got to have the killer instinct to get them. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, he is Coach Anderson, as always, Coach's Corner. We've been doing it every Wednesday, which I really enjoy. I think it makes us smarter, the community smarter. So we're always very appreciative of the time. Go check out what he's doing at Dairy Raid. Those links are always out there. We'll always put them out again. So go check out what he's doing over there. Coach, uh, hopefully talk to you after the game too. Chop it up a little bit and, and talk about what happened. Yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. All right, I'm Wisconsin, and we'll talk tomorrow.